all of you moms who your Mother's Day present to yourself was uh, sleeping in and having breakfast and watching church in your pajamas, uh, we, we celebrate all of that. So uh, we're going to do something that we've never done before, and uh, I'm going to scoot these back a little bit because uh, I like to walk and Julie may like to walk too. So uh, in uh, almost, f- almost 15 years of marriage, we've never uh, taught together before, and uh, so we're pretty... St- huh? Oh, we did it at Mops. That doesn't count. It was on a weekday, not, a, not on a real holy day of Sunday. Uh, okay, so I just lied at church. Dang it. I'm really trying to button that up. Uh, so uh, we've never preached on Sunday morning before. And so a couple uh, months ago, Josh was like, hey, what do you think about speaking Mother's Day? And I was like, that's fine. Let me check with Julie. And uh, so I texted her and I was like, hey, what do you think about me preaching Mother's Day? And she immediately texted back in no. all caps lock, no, right? So then I was like, but she read my text wrong. What the text actually said was, what do you think about you preaching on Mother's Day? And so I got home and I was like, man, it was a pretty quick shutdown on you preaching on Mother's Day. And she was like, well, it wasn't you. It wasn't, it was me. It was you. And I was like, no, no, it was you, not me. So then she was like, well, what? And so we prayed about it for, for about a week or so and decided uh, that uh, she said, decided that she does have some things that she wants to share. So we're going to co-teach this morning and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, there's people in your life. Uh, that you come uh, to love for who they are and what they do and, uh, and what they bring to your life. And, and sometimes there's people that you just love them, right? Uh, and then there's some people in your life that you don't love them that much. You just really, really respect them, right? You, you don't know them that well. So you just, you watch their life. You watch how they, how they lead and love and, and, and who they are. And you say, you know, I really respect that person. And then, I don't know about you guys, but for me, then there's, there's, there's a fewer people that are in a category of people that that you just absolutely love and respect. And, uh, and that's my wife. And in uh, almost 15 years of marriage, um, I'm blown away uh, by this woman. Uh, being married to me is not an easy task. Uh, being in ministry is not an easy task. And, uh, and raising three boys is not an easy task. And, uh, and she is an amazing woman of God, and I'm really just excited to be able to hear her communicate a little bit today and to be a part of this morning. So put your hands together and please welcome my wife, Julie Earlywine. I'm going to go back here and drink coffee for a while. All right. That is not true. That is absolutely not true. Good morning. It's an um, uh, interesting pleasure to be here today. I am going to do my very best to not cry. It's Mother's Day. It's kind of unfair that I'm preaching on Mother's Day. Or not preaching to all my friends online that are watching. I'm not preaching. I'm speaking. Uh, I get a little nervous about the word preaching. But... um. A little unfair, them, you know, mothers are, you're kind of like, ooh, there's a sweet little baby right here on the front row, like kind of throwing me off, you know, a little bit. And, um, but seriously, it's good to be here. I want to thank Josh this morning and Lisa, um, a pastor and a pastor's wife. They hold us a very special place in my heart. We did that for a lot of years. I know what Sunday mornings mean to Lisa. I know what she went through today to get all of her kids out the door and to still love Jesus at the end of it. I know that that was a lot of work for her today. So I give her a special happy Mother's Day, a special thank you to Josh. Um, we, when we left the church, formal church scene where we worked there every week and Darren worked there, it took us a while to find a community that fit our needs for the kind of ministry that our family does. And Mercy Road has finally been a place that has been a wonderful place for us, a family that we can't always be here every week due to the way our life works, but we're here as much as we can. And I'm just really thankful for this community that we all have here, um, just to really reach people and to reach people authentically and in a real way. And uh, that's what I love. And so I just want to thank Josh for leading like that, for leading in a really real authentic way and trying to make this a place that 
can really impact Indianapolis um, in a real way. So I, uh, first of all, want to take a moment just to recognize all you moms out there and just to give you like, you know, three claps this morning for all of your hard work, for making it this morning, and for being here, for dressing up, taking showers. You've all got nice clothes on. I mean, seriously, some days that feels like your ultimate accomplishment. I just want to recognize all the moms out there today. I want to recognize my old mom. She is in North Carolina. She's not very technologically sound, so she has no idea how to find this online, but she's super amazing, and I'm very thankful for her today. And then there's another crowd here today that I want to recognize that it's You're in this season where you're waiting. You're waiting to be a mom. And you're praying to be a mom. And you're going before God and you're saying, I want to be a mom so bad. And you're in a season of waiting today. And I just want you to know that moms that are already walking that journey, we don't not recognize you. We see you today, we pray with you. I have a wonderful friend back home in North Carolina today. She will be 41 this month. She watched all of us college girls have baby after baby after baby. And she waited and she prayed and she had many a miscarriages and many a disappointing months. And today, at about to turn 41, she is celebrating her first Mother's Day. Her baby. God gave her and her husband their very first baby last summer. And here she is an example of God's fulfilled promise. So please know this morning that you guys who are out there praying for this, you women, God has a plan for you. And this is, there's much in store. And dang it, I already cried. And I said I wasn't going to. All right, well, let's move forward. We're gonna get into some little more stuff. I loved what Eric said this morning. Um, I've laughed this week with some of my closest friends that I, um, I don't preach, I'm speaking. And then actually what Eric said this morning is as Darren and Julie tell their story, this is a, a lot more of a story about me today and way less more about preaching. This is a story of a journey that I traveled through while I was a mom, when I became a mom. And that's kind of where we are today. Um, When I first became a mom, it took all of my time. If you all remember when you're in the very first stage of sweet little baby down here, she needs something about every two hours. So they're not getting a whole lot of sleep. And from the minute that I had a baby, it took all my time. And it continued to take my time for a long time. You know, they needed me to tie their shoes. They needed me to get their snacks. They needed me to feed them. They needed me to put them to bed, to give them a bath, to do all the things that took all my time. And most days, I got to the end of the day and I collapsed because all my time was out. I had done everything that I possibly could to survive that day and to make it as a mom. And there were days that I probably went unshowered and all those jokes that we make, but it used to take so much of my time. Well, my three boys are here this morning, of course, with us. They got drug with us. They get two services. And the littlest one just wanted to know how fast he could get the iPhone to play during the service to get through all this. But they're older now. My oldest is going to be 12 and our uh, middle is nine and the baby of the family is going to be six soon. And all of a sudden, I'm realizing they're starting to need less of my time. And they can all take showers themselves. Woohoo! They can all swim. That is the biggest blessing. We went on spring break, and everyone could swim. No one needed swimmies. Everyone could swim. I got to sit. They got to swim. It was a blessing. It was so great. They, they take less of my day-to-day time. You know, they can get their own drinks. They can get their own snacks. All those things that take your time. But what I'm realizing is I'm merging into having a preteen 
is that now they're starting to take all of my heart. And it's a, it's a thing that takes my time through my heart where I wake up every day and pray that they make the right choices, that the world around them doesn't tell them that it's better, but that the world we walk in with Jesus is the better way to go. When they have friends that get to do certain things social media-wise and we say no, that they trust us that that's a path that God is doing and allowing us to put them on to protect their lives and their hearts. So this morning as I begin to share about myself and some of the things that God's done in my life um, through my journey of 12 years of motherhood, I'm at a place now where it's taking up almost all of my heart and I don't have a whole lot left because I want more than anything at the end of my day is for those three boys to love Jesus, to find women, to marry that love Jesus, and they can carry on this passion to serve God. So when I started out as a mom, we had gone through an interesting season. I was very isolated. Um, I became a mom and I... You know, I just didn't know anything. I started to feel all by myself. There were tons of people around me for some reason, but I started to get into a season where I wasn't very present. And what I realized is that um, if you can't find yourself and you find yourself, you're isolated and you're lonely and you're full of fear, which is what I was when I woke up and became a mom, that I was starting to miss the fullness of the mission that God had for my life. And this is a little bit about that journey. So today we're gonna take a look at the word village. And I say this um, a whole lot about a village, and I don't just mean this about all my baseball carpool and basketball carpool friends that are out there, although I do need them um, to get all my kids everywhere some weeks. I need this. But today we're going to take a look at village. You need a village is our first point we're going to take a look at, and you need that. You need a village, and, and you need them, to, first of all, to adorn you. And as I was looking up the word invest, which was the first word, and then when you're writing a sermon, the good thing to do is make three good points so you guys can leave and you can remember them, and I can actually kind of remember what to say. But the first word is adorn, and it means to make someone more attractive by adding something beautiful to them, to enliven them and to invest in them. And this morning, we're going to take a look at the life of Mary. And it was interesting as Josh prayed over that baby this morning, like I sometimes think about the life of Mary and the mother of Jesus and how that must have felt to have the overwhelming burden of being the mom of Christ, the savior of the world, you know, and, and most days I was I'm worried about, am I going to make the healthiest snacks for my kids? Or am I going to plan the best birthday parties? Or am I not going to lose my mind and flip out on them today? Or whatever it is. But she found out that she was carrying the child of God. And when I begin to think about that in relation to my own life, I cannot imagine as a mom how she felt. How she felt to carry that. And so we're going to take a look at her relationship with Elizabeth this morning and some things she did to seek village in her life because she knew she couldn't go this road alone. <clears throat> I remember the moment that Cole was born. That was my, he's my oldest and my first. And this is where the isolation, I think, started to come in my life. We were in a church plant. We had a lot of people around us. We had a lot going on. Darren was extra busy at the time. When you church plan, it, it, it takes a lot of your time. I was coming home. I dropped my mom off at the airport. Cole was about two weeks. I had not been alone with the baby, really, by myself yet. And I remember I pulled into my garage. I got him out of his little pumpkin seat, and I had gone through Chick-fil-A. And I came in, and we had a glass table, and I set him down on the table. And I opened up the Chick-fil-A, and I started to cry 
Now, granted, two weeks after you have a baby, you cry if you, like, look at the exit sign. <laughs> but seriously, I started to cry because everything had changed in my life in that moment. Everything. All of my deepest and strongest dreams, all my greatest passions, all the things that I wanted for my life changed, and I didn't know what to do. I was looking at this baby in the pumpkin seat. I was by myself. Darren's like at some like concession stand fundraiser for our church plant. I'm all alone thinking, what am I going to do? And I'm crying over a Chick-fil-A sandwich. And it's because I started to feel different and scared and unsure And I started to realize that I felt alone and I needed more around me, but I wasn't really willing to do a whole lot about that. It hits me. I am inadequate, I am different, and I am really scared. You know, I think one of the interesting things is, as Julie's realizing this, and if there's any, you know, young parents here today, is um, she's processing through all these emotions, right? And I'm off selling cheeseburgers at the RCA Dome or something like that. And you come home, and as, as a husband, like, we're pretty clueless, right, just in general, right? But is, if your wife is going through, like, this identity crisis, life change stuff, like, to have the courage and the vulnerability to open up and say, hey, here's what's really going on inside of me, uh, most of us don't have that ability, Right? And so as Julie's going through this early on in, 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 in her journey as a mother, I have no idea that this is what she's sensing. This is what she's feeling, right? And there's a part of that that I think can make you as a woman and as a mother feel even more isolated because then it's like you have this moment, you have this sense, you have this sense of, 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 of isolation and loneliness, and even your husband doesn't even get you, Right? And so it can drive you back into a place of feeling like I just have to figure this out on my own and hide and appear like I'm okay and it's okay and we're okay. And that's the point that I think is pretty amazing with Mary, and we'll take a look at right now, is that, is that she actually had the, the ability somehow to, to seek after a village. And I don't know, you know, we, we don't know all the stuff, you know, for sure, you know, what happened behind the scenes, but you could think about, I mean, they're just regular people, Mary and Joseph, right? But you I mean, can you imagine the conversations they're having? I mean, like, they're not even married yet, but she's pregnant, and it's weird, and then she's like, they're hanging out, right? And she's freaking out, and she's emotional, and Joseph's trying to get it, he doesn't understand, he's just a carpenter, right? And they're like eating, they're having lunch together, and he brings her, you know, a sandwich from the deli or something, right? Because he's like, oh, she's pregnant with God's baby, this is stressful, right? And then she may Maybe she had one of those freak out moments where he like, you know, tried to eat some of her sandwich and she's like, lay off me, I'm starving, right? And like, I had this like pregnant freak out mode. I mean, you know, men, when your wife ever had those freak out modes and he doesn't know what's happening, right? So it's just best, right? That she goes and finds a village that hasn't have Joseph in it probably, but I don't know if that happened or not, but we, it could have, right? But Mary goes to seek a village with Elizabeth, one of her family members. And it's in Luke chapter one verses 39 through 45. Let's take a look at the scripture. Reading from the message paraphrase. It says, Mary didn't waste a minute. She got up and traveled to the town in Judah in the hill country straight to Zachariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby in her womb leapt. When she was filled with the Holy Spirit and sang out exuberantly, 
And she sings this song out over Mary. You are so blessed among women, and the babe in your womb also blessed. And why am I so blessed that the mother of my Lord visits me? The moment that sound of your greeting entered my ears, the babe in my womb skipped like a lamb for sheer joy. Blessed woman who believed what God said, believed every word would come true. And Mary said, I'm bursting with good news, I'm da- with God news. I'm dancing the song of my Savior God. God took one look at me, and look what happened. In the, I'm the most fortunate woman on earth. What God has done for me will never be forgotten. The God whose very name is wholly set apart from all others. His mercy flows in wave after wave on those who are in awe before him. He bared his arm and showed his strength scattered the bluffing braggarts. He knocked tyrants off their high horses and pulled victims out of the mud. The starving poor sat down to a banquet. The callous rich were left out in the cold. He embraced his chosen child, Israel. He remembered and piled on the mercies, piled them high. It's exactly what he promised. Beginning with Abraham and right till now, and Mary stayed with Elizabeth for three months and then went back to her own home. I think about her strength that day to run to someone. And as we get into the next couple of points, uh, you'll hear about how I stopped running towards anybody. And because I didn't allow myself to have a village, when I look at Mary's life, she ran to Elizabeth and she had to be overwhelmed. She didn't understand what was going on. She was confused. She was scared. She was lonely and she was isolated and she chose community in Elizabeth and went to her to seek out this community in her life to help her. One of the things in this season of my life that happened is that I retreated. I'm not probably gonna be the best at this. I don't want people to know this about me. I don't feel confident about what's happening in my life. I don't feel good about this. So I just kept retreating and I kept pushing away just because it was scary to me to let anyone in and then see that I don't know that I'm very good at this. I don't know that I'm gonna be able to do this well and my own insecurity got in the way. And then some things in my life started to happen that created an environment for this to manifest itself and get worse. Instead of going to a place where you surround yourself with people, you moms, you dads, you teens, whoever's in the room, you need people, a community, to surround you in your life in the best of your days and in the worst of your days. God gave us community for a reason. And I went through a season in my life where I wouldn't let that in. So we're gonna take a look next and just to kind of bring this around a little bit about why we need a village. Not just us as people, because we do individually, you all need it. And I needed it and failed in the you need a village part. But then God started to push me and say, this isn't working for you, Julie. You're missing me because you're missing them. These gifts I'm constantly planting in your life along the way. And you're too scared and won't allow yourself for them to be people who speak into your life and use you. You're next. Awesome. Yeah. So, moms, (laughs) you need a village. You need a village to adorn you, to invest in you, to speak words of truth and strength over your life and over your parenting and and over uh, your womanhood and who you are like Elizabeth did for Mary. But we do need a village because there's that moment, right, where you go from being uh, uh, an us, right, where you're a couple and you're us, or maybe maybe you're even uh, a single mom here today and you were just a you. And all of a sudden, then you, you have a child and you become a we, right? And so maybe you've kind of figured out what, what, what us needs. And all of a sudden, it's like, wait a second, now where are we? Now we kind of have this, this little tribe. 
and, and things have changed. And, and, and if we're a tribe together, we need a village. And we needed a village to actually abide in. And this, I love this, this definition for the word abide. It says this, to wait for, to endure without yielding, to withstand, to bear patiently. And I love this last one here. We need a village. Our tribes, our families need a village to have a place that accepts us without objection. My friend Matt Tebby said this to me a couple weeks ago, and, and, and it stuck with me. He said, what we're truly looking for in our lives and in community is a transformational community. And he said, a transformational community is a community in which you can be known most, where your worst can be known. And when your worst is known, you receive more love and more grace, not less. And I know that's what we're seeking and have sought for our family is a tribe for us to abide in. Well, our best days in parenting, our worst days in parenting, our best days in following Jesus and our worst days of following Jesus can be seen and shared in a, in a community together. And when people see us, we receive more love and more grace, not less. We need a village to abide in. In the book of Acts chapter 4, 32 and 33, the word says the whole congregation of believers was united as one, one heart, one mind. They didn't even claim ownership of their own possessions. No one said, that's mine, you can't have it. They shared everything. The apostles gave powerful witness to the resurrection of the master Jesus, and grace was on all of them. And so it turned out that not a person among them was needy. Those who owned fields or houses sold them and bought the bought the price of the sale to the apostles and made an offering of it. The apostles then distributed accordingly to each person's needs. And I love that passage right where, there where it says they didn't even claim ownership of their own possessions. That's mine, you can't have it. They were one body, one mind, one spirit. So Darren's walking along through parenting and, and he, he's actually building a tribe around him. And I'm walking in through this life of parenting and I'm isolating myself. In ministry, Darren and I, uh, we went through a, a pretty deep season of pain, and, um, and through it, as we journeyed through it, Darren, Darren pushed through a lot better than I did, and I retreated the pains of people, the pains that had been inflicted on my life by others, and instead of allowing God to come in and heal my heart, I allowed the devil to come in and harden my heart. So when people wanted to come into our life, I would be present. I could hang out with you. I could go to dinner with you. I could talk with you. I could spend time with you. But I would not let you in. So everyone in my life was here or farther or farther than that. And I didn't want them to come in and speak any kind of truth in my life because I didn't trust them. And so what I started to see that opened my eyes is that this was affecting my children, it was affecting the way they were seeing other believers, the community of people around us. And it was also not allowing them to have a community of people. We all have pains that come in our life. We have scars that come on our heart and they're all different. And the ones in my life are ones that affected me relationally. And I had always been really outgoing. I had always been about people. I had tons of friends in college. And then all of a sudden I was like, mm, no, I don't think that you can speak anything into my life. 
And uh, one night, one of my kids was sick, and my oldest son was not sick. So we decided to go out and eat Chinese food. And I'm going to cry, and I'm not going to apologize for it. We went to eat Chinese. He was in, like, the second grade. And it's amazing what God does with your children. So we're eating Chinese food, sesame chicken, that's what we order. He gets lo mein, I get brown rice. That's the way it goes when we eat Chinese with coal. Same still to this day at 12. We're sitting there, and he looks across the table at me, and he says, Mom, I feel really lonely. And I was like, what? What do you mean? He's like, I just don't feel like I have anybody in my life that's my friend. I feel lonely. And at that time, I had a very safe community of people that was very small that I did keep around me, and I'm so thankful for that safe community. Let me tell you, they were the most loyal to me ever, and I would never, never speak against that. They were so good, but it was so small that my boys weren't getting anything else. And he said, I am lonely, Mom. I feel like I don't have any friends. And all of a sudden, I looked across the table at Cole and said, you know what? I feel lonely too, Cole. And it took my eight-year-old to help me see that I had kept myself from growing socially, emotionally, and most importantly, spiritually. And I had been holding my children back from that. So I said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to pray. So we prayed that day. And I have been on a two-year journey of a lot of healing There's been some counseling in there. But I tell you what, this morning, I opened my phone to I can't tell you how many text messages of women in my life that believe in me today. And that's not because of something I did. It's something that God used my son to help me see. Trust is a difficult thing. Our trust can be broken by our families. Our trust can be broken by ministry in my situation. Our trust can be broken by friends. But God wants to rebuild that because if we can't trust people, we're going to have a really hard time trusting him. And he wants to heal our hearts to trust because every day as believers in this community of faith, we have to wake up and trust him, trust him to lead our families, trust him to give us the building blocks it takes to be able to influence our community around us. And I wasn't doing a very good job of that because I wasn't gonna be anybody's friend. And so I'm so thankful this morning for those women, those multitude of texts I got because three years ago, they would not have been there and I would not have been here. You know, interesting about that story is that we prayed and asked God, you know, okay, God, you know, give Cole friends. And it was about two weeks after that that, we got invited to join this travel baseball team. And uh, prior to that, and early in our marriage, Julie and I would drive past Billericay Park where all the baseball gets played in Fisher's right, and see all these travel teams, all these travel parents with their backpacks and, you know, and, and tents. And we we're like, those people are stupid, right? <laughs> and we'd drive past and just judge them. Oh, they're out there on Sunday, missing church for baseball. Good, enjoy hell, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> and, Your priorities are so out of whack, right? So when we got invited to join this travel baseball team, we were like, well, that's not for us, you know what I mean? And it took about a week and a half or about two weeks, and then Julie and I were like, Julie looked at me, she was like, I think this baseball team is 
answered a close prayer. And we were like, no, Jesus, right? <laughs> and we ended up praying about it and feeling like that, we thought that was what it was. And, and now our life is inundated with sports all the time. But what we have seen is that what we didn't know then is that God was going to move us out of traditional church ministry in a, in a few years. What we didn't know is that our life was going to look different. And now, like Julie said, not only has that been an amazing community for our tribe and for our boys, but even for Julie and I to find a place of ministry to love folks that, that maybe their life and their schedule doesn't work to be at church every single Sunday like everyone else, but to give us a mission field to go out and find ways to love and to pour God's truth into that community. And so it's amazing what God does. And, and, and be careful. If you start praying prayers like that, God will sometimes make you do the actually last thing you thought you wanted to. <clears throat> and then before you know it, you got minivans with stickers on the back windows. That's right. and Express all the way. All the way. <laughs> so not only do you need a community, not only do we need a community, but they need a community. And they need a community to advance in. And by they, I mean not just your kids and your family, but the world around us needs a community to advance in. And the word advance is defined as this, to move forward, to go forward, to make progress, to continue in a process of development. Who you are today is not who God desires you to be in five years, in five months. God is continually transforming you, right, into his likeness. And we don't do this journey alone. We're designed to do it in community, in a village, maybe even in a outpost, right? Like they say mm -hmm. here at Mercy Road, like we say here, right? To actually advance you into God's future for your life. Hebrews tells us about this, Hebrews 10, 22 through 25. It says, so let's do it, full of belief, confident that we're presentable inside and out. Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that God, that God keeps us going. He always keeps us he always keeps his word. Let's see how to, how, I can't read this morning. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out. Not avoiding worshiping together as some do, but spurring each other on, especially as we see the big day approaching. They need a village to advance in. And I, I, what, what Julie and I have realized that as, as our boys have gotten older is that there is a point, right, where, where they're going to need a lot more than us, right? Where pretty soon here, Cole's going to get to be a teenager, and pretty soon I'm going to go from being the smartest, most wise guy in his life to being a guy that he thinks doesn't know anything, right? And he's going to need other men in his life that follow Jesus that he can say, you know what, I'm in community in a village with these guys, and those guys are going to help me advance into the future that God's called me into, and I think about our friends, our friends Austin and Abby that, that, that we love. And, and, and just a couple weeks ago, they were over hanging out at our house. And we're back in the backyard talking. Before we notice it, Cole and Austin are up shooting baskets together for like 30 minutes. And it's just normal. It's just regular. It's just hanging out. But he's developing relationships with other men that follow Jesus that will speak into his life. I think about our friends Brent and Leslie who have been with us through thick and thin for about 17 years in my life. They've seen us at our best and at our worst. And I know confidently right now that, that for all of my boys, that they trust and love their Uncle Brent, who's not actually uncle by blood, but he's uncle by love, right? And they've seen him, and they know that he follows Jesus, and they know that he knows the Word of God, and they know that he's a safe place to go to speak into their life, because they need a community. And my last point for Julie Lands the Plain here is this. 
is if you get out of the walls of the church, which I know that we do here at Mercy Road because you saw it with the testimonies of, of, the, of the outpost, you know that our world is really hurting and broken and dark. And there are kids that live right next to you that, 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 that this weekend saw their mom get beat by their dad or they saw this or that happen. They saw things that they should never see. There are people in your life right now, their marriage is on the absolute, absolute I mean, holding on by a hair's breath. And the world needs our Christian community to invite people into, because ours is not a village where we build walls up and say, keep the world out. Let's just try to keep the Christian stuff inside, right? Ours is a village without walls, with Christ in the center, where we open it up and invite people in to see our mess to see our failures, but to see in the midst of it, God is speaking to us with grace and truth. They need a community to advance them. As a mom and as a woman, no matter where we've been, as a dad, as a husband, no matter where you are, no matter what's holding you back, maybe from relinquishing yourself to be all that you can be to the neighbor beside you or to the friend on your sports teams or that guy beside you at work, or the gal that you hang out with sometimes at the park. God wants you to be able to sort of relinquish all of those things and be able to be those things to all people. As a mom and as a woman, we're placed in such unique places to be able to be a heartbeat for people. Our hearts, God made them so we can love. And I look back sometimes on that season in that very beginning where I say, you need a village. If I had let a village in, I would have done a lot better as a mommy. I would have done a lot better in those little years. I maybe would have been more patient or maybe would have taken it in a little bit more or maybe would have enjoyed it a little more or whatever, but I didn't. So my charge today is if you're on the beginning of the journey, you need that village yourself. God's brought a lot of things full circle in my life in the past few years. And Darren and I were at a marriage retreat this week and uh, one of the gals that's in my huddle uh, handed me a note from another girl in my huddle. And the, the girl that sent me the note is my friend Hannah. And um, Hannah came into my life when I was like this. Like, mm-mm, sorry. Like, I have no room for anyone in my life. And God did a funny thing through her. He kept doing this. And he kept pushing her and pushing her. Because he was like, you need her. She's different than anyone else in your life that you've ever had. You need her. So we're at the marriage retreat, and one of the other gals in my huddle that God's given me named Ashley handed me this note from the girl that God gave me named Hannah. And they all knew that I was doing this this morning and that this was a giant step of faith for me in the ministry God's calling me to. And this is the card that I get, and it says, I read the below, <clears throat> I read the below recently and immediately thought of you. And the day came when the risk to remain tight in a bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. I am so amazed at how you have blossomed over the past several years. I am so fortunate to have you in my life. No doubt I'm better because of it. <laughs> and this was my little blooming note this week. God has people in our life to push us, to change us, to make us better because you need a village. God has people in your life that you need to push, that you need to move with, that you need to charge forward because they need a village and your children need a village and they need to watch you 
spend majority of your life loving and serving others as Jesus did. And now I have to pray. Sorry. I'm not good at this. This is new to me. Maybe next time I'll remember to pray better. <laughs> Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for not giving up on me. Thank you for taking pain and turning it into beauty. Thank you for taking the things that went wrong in my life to now using them so that I can glorify you with them, God. Thank you that a place like Mercy Road is the place where you can come in the doors with all kinds of pain and you can leave with all kinds of hope because you've anointed this place. Thank you, God, for the community, for the village in my life, the village of women that influence me daily to be more like you. Thank you for the village you've given my children that influence them daily to be more like you. I pray today for this community that we will seek after you with all that we have so we can have the greatest impact that we all can have over the community of Indianapolis. You're a good God. We love you.